The question is, um, can a backslidden Christian be saved again? Mm. Can a backslidden Christian be saved again? And uh, I, I really want us to... I really want us to talk into that. Uh, there might be a listener, or there is a listener, uh, that's listening in right now who is in a backslidden state, and they're wondering, can they even be saved? I know you've been reading through Hebrews chapter mm. 6. It's great mm-hmm. timing. Mm-hmm. I've got some thoughts. Um, I was thinking that that maybe we could first address the desperate situation of a person who finds themselves in a backslidden state. I, I, I want to start there and just say, friends, if you are in a backslidden state, um, you are in a dreadful predicament. Um, because right now, you have no testimony in your heart, nor in your life, in your actions, um, of your salvation. Um, it's, a, it's a horrible place to be. It can be a very depressing place to be, um, a scary place to be. In fact, it needs to be a scary place to be. You should be trembling in your boots if at one time you were, um, let's say, burning brightly for the things of God. You had made a profession as Je- of Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior. But over time, your heart for God and the things of God has waned soft. And even as it has waned, the zeal within your soul, so too unholy living has become commonplace in your life. You're in a backslidden state. This might be a person who came to faith but is now in an adulterous relationship. This could be a person who came to faith as a teenager but now is completely bound to pornography, can't can't rest away from, from sin. This might be a person who once professed the name of Jesus Christ but is now engaging in shady underhanded dealings um, or has given way to corruption um, uh, bribery or whatever else it might be it might be a whatever backslidden pace you you might find yourself in let me say you are right to fear for your soul Um, I think of a passage of scripture that we read just a little while back um, relating to these false prophets uh, who come in sheep's clothing but inwardly are voracious rules. Um, Jesus described their fruit. It's by their fruit that you will recognize them. And then he asked the question, do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. Friend, if you look at your life right now and you go, by my fruit, I do not look like a Christian, you ought to fear. The fear of God ought to be in you. And as I think of other parts of Scripture, right now you should examine yourself and see if the truth is even in you. And I take that from 1 Corinthians. We were previously in 1 Corinthians, but just one chapter back from verse from chapter 12 to chapter 14 is 1 Corinthians 11, uh, where it talks about um, though some even having died because they had unconfessed sin in their life. And Paul begs that before you take of the Lord's table, before you take of communion, you examine yourself. Friend, make sure that the truth is in you. If you are in an unrepentant state, um, you have every reason to fear, even for your eternal soul. It might well be that you are a bad tree and not a good tree. Even if you showed the first 
green sprouts at some stage in your life, but they were quickly quenched. Now I'm thinking of the, the story of Jesus Christ and the illustration of the soils, the four soils, the one soil where seed was thrown on the path that was quickly plucked up by, by Satan, by the birds of the air. The other tr- soil that was that was thrown into shallow ground, well, it sprouted. It, it looked like it was great. Um, but in reality, as soon as the, the sun came out, it, it scorched it and it died. It never was true salvation. Um, the third type of soil, um, uh, by the thorns and the thistles uh, spread over there, um, well, uh, it started to sprout. It looked again like salvation, but pretty soon the, 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 the thorns and, the, and the, the weeds started to choke it out, the cares of this world. What does true salvation look like? Well, it looks like soil where as the seed is sown, it bears forth a fruit. It bears forth a harvest, 30, 60, and 100 fold. Well, if you don't see any harvest in your life, you have every reason to examine Mm. yourself and ask the question, is the truth in you? But that said, it is true that Christians sometimes fall into sin, even grievous sin. Well, what should Christians do that fall into sin? And there, I'm thinking about Jesus Christ moving amongst the churches in Revelation chapter 2 and 3. It begins in, the the picture of Christ begins in Revelation chapter 1. But by the time we get to chapter 2, Jesus is walking amongst lampstands. These lampstands represent the churches. He's writing letters to these churches and he he writes to a number of churches that are in a rotten place. He he has uh, condemnations for them. Um, They have problems in the church and his counsel to each one of these churches is repent. So to the church in Ephesus in Revelation chapter 2 verse 1 to 7, he says, remember from where you are fallen and repent. To the church of Pergamum in Revelation chapter 2 verse 12 to 17, he says, repent. To the church in uh, Sardis, the dead church, Revelation chapter 3 verse 1 to 6, he says, watch, strengthen the things that remain. Remember hold fast and repent and the the final church the church in Laodicea that lukewarm church in Revelation chapter 3 verse 14 to 22 he says buy gold cried by fire and white remnant anoint your eyes be zealous and repent friend if you have placed your faith and trust in Jesus as your Lord and your Savior, but you have fallen into sin. The call on your life is this repent. What does that word repent mean? It means turn from your sin and once again cast yourself upon the saving grace of Jesus Christ. This doesn't mean that you get saved again. Because once you are saved by Christ, it's Christ that keeps you saved. But if you're a child of God who has fallen into sin, you need to be sanctified. You need your relationship to be made whole. You, you need the, the washing of, of water to clear your soul that you might have sweet fellowship with Jesus Christ. And the way that you get that is you repent. You turn from your sin and you cast yourself again to your Savior. Oh, he's good. He says, come all those who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. And that rest he will give you is abundant rest at the beginning of salvation, all the way through salvation and even at the end of salvation into an eternal rest to come. Friend, if you are saved and you are in a backslidden state, repent from your sin and cast yourself once again on your Savior. Anything to add there, Hashemir? Amen. If if you have been a hypocrite and you have not actually trusted Christ, if you realize 
that I made a profession of faith, and so now I'm into pornography, I'm into adultery, I have actually borne no fruit. I haven't been a believer. It was all a sham. I'm a fraud. If you realize that and you return unto the Lord Jesus Christ, it's he will receive you. Mm. The prodigal son, every sinner, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you're not sure and you call upon the Lord in repentance, he is he absolutely will restore your soul. Then the scripture also says it's in the book of First John in chapter number 5 and verse number 16. If anyone sees his brother sinning a sin which does not lead unto death, he will ask, and he, that is God the Father, it will give him life for those who commit sin that is not leading unto death. There is a sin that leads unto death. And I believe that's the sin of, of, of uh, Judas. He sinned. He did not actually repent. As he had the sorrow of this world, as he hung himself, he died. It's over. And he has gone into his place of destruction. Uh, but a man like Peter and the Lord Jesus said, mm. I have prayed for you. Mm. And he restored him. And so he uses our prayers now so that if a man is a saint, if a, if a woman is a child of God and they are fallen, if they aren't dead yet, if we pray for them and the Lord, he will restore their soul and their communion and their fellowship with Christ. And, and, and I have experienced it. It is the heart of my ministry is I was restored after I was fallen. It, it, just, it just really broke my heart. Is it, is it, is it really, is, that's what actually, um, it, 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 it really made me love God. And at a time, Mark, as to when I could not, and as to when I actually would not pray for myself, is I knew it was some older women, uh, some young ladies, that were praying for me, mm. and the Lord used it. I had a, I had a mother who prayed, weeping, mm. um, so that my dad would often describe to me her pillow being wet with her tears when I was in at my worst, mm. uh, that I might be saved. Um, God is good. He uses the prayers of his saints. 